Good morning, everybody. This is James with 77 Financial Group. You're listening to 15 Minutes of Finance. We're in the next 15 minutes. I bet I can get you excited about investing. Let's do it. All right, all right, all right. Top of the morning to all of you listeners out there on this beautiful Thursday morning. We have some good news in the market and investment world, which is a bright light in the in the dark, shadowy, stormy weeks we've had uh, in the month of September. Uh, hopefully, we peak out on top for the quarter, uh, but the month of September was a bad month for stocks. Uh, a lot of reasons for that, but we ended it really, really well. Uh, which I'm excited to talk about. But before we do that, you guys know how it goes. We have the term of the day, which uh, the last episode we did a call option and today we are doing a put option. So if you remember guys, a call option is a coupon. You buy a coupon to be able to buy a stock at a certain price. And there's usually a time period. So just use three months. So if you buy a call option to buy Tesla at $500 and it goes to $750, in 89 days, because three months is 90 days, right? If it goes to 750 on that 89th day, you can buy it for 500 because you bought that call option. You bought that right. Uh, so that's a call option. Let me read the description of a put option now. So a put option is a contract giving the owner the right, but not the obligation to sell a specified amount of an underlying security at a predetermined price within a specific time frame. This predetermined price that the buyer of the put option is allow is allowing them to sell at the called strike price. Okay, so again, that makes that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Like the the typical person isn't going to hear that and go, "Oh, that makes sense." So that's why I'm here, right? So let's use the Tesla example again. Again, so Tesla's at 500, and I I own Tesla, and I think Tesla's going to go down to 250. And the person who sold me the put option contract, the coupon, believes it's going to go up, right? And so <clears throat> I'm going to say I'm making that bet, right? So one of us has to be wrong. Say it goes down to uh, 400. And within that 3-month time frame on the 89th day, I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to exercise this put option." I now can sell my Tesla to whoever I bought the put from at $500. Okay, at that agreed upon price that I bought the put for. And so that's sort of what you're buying, you're using the coupon for. You can use it to hedge your bets. It's a defensive measure and it's also a gamble measure. You can you can kind of use them in multiple ways. But I want you guys to remember this with puts and calls. First off, they're complicated. I don't care what anyone says, they're complicated. And second off, use them when you really understand what you're doing. Right? I I, I do it for maybe two clients. Okay, now in my last job, we had, oh man, probably 100 clients that we did options for, uh, the last firm I worked for, but for most people, they're expensive, and you don't really need them. It's something that's wanted. Um, And remember this with options, okay guys? Call up, put down. A call is typically an assumption that the prices of the stock is going to go up, and with puts, the assumption is the price is going to go down. And that's what I want you guys to remember, call up, put down. All right, so you pick up the phone to make a call, and you put the phone down when you're done. Does that? Hopefully, that makes sense. That was the best visual that I uh, that I heard when I was doing my studies uh, many years ago for this. But okay, enough about options. I think they're boring, and I'd much rather talk about the news today. So, what is happening? Uh, stock index futures are on the rise again as investors look to close on the quarter with gains. Tech stocks bounce a bit after struggling earlier this week amid a sharp rise in interest rates. Stocks also got a boost after the Senate reached a deal to avoid a government shutdown. That's great news, guys. 
We don't have anything set, but we have like another month or so. They, they bought us some time. Uh, the yield on the 10-year Treasury note is holding steady around 1.5%. Stocks in Europe and Asia were mostly higher. Heading into the last day of trading for the month and the quarter, the Dow is down 2.7%. The S&P 500 is off by 3.6%, and the tech-heavy NASDAQ is slumping nearly 5% in September. Despite recent volatility, the S&P 500 may eke out a gain over 1% for the quarter, making the sixth straight quarterly gain. This morning, the Commerce Department will release its latest revision for the second quarter gross domestic product, which is likely to have increased by 6.6% in the final estimate. That's good news, guys. The Labor Department reported initial jobless claims totaled 362,000 for the week ended September 25th, up from 351,000 the week before. Separately, the Institute of Supply Management will release its Chicago PMI, which is expected to edge lower. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Jerome Powell returns to Capitol Hill to testify before the House after telling Senate lawmakers earlier this week that rising inflation may last longer than he had anticipated. Oil prices held steady, but are are set to have a monthly gain after tight supplies. Okay, guys, let's go into headlines here. Uh, Ahead of a midnight deadline, Senate Democrats announced they had reached a deal with Senate Republicans to avoid a government shutdown. The deal, which would fund the government into early December, must pass a vote by the Senate and the House, and lawmakers still must raise the debt ceiling or face a U.S. default by mid-October. Guys, look, we've we've talked about the debt in the last couple of uh, episodes here. I want you to compare. I want you to compare the country's debt to a individual. Okay, so the country is an individual, just on a giant scale, right? Well, people have mortgages. That's a debt. Thirty-year mortgages, twenty-year, fifteen. Those are debts. I don't view the. Uh, country's debt any different it's a debt as long as we make our payments i don't think there's a problem uh raising the debt ceiling forever is going to be a problem okay but as long as we continue to produce more and we're able to pay off the the debt you know the the bills that come due every month or quarter uh then i don't really have a problem with it right now i think because we're coming out of a pandemic we need to raise the debt ceiling All right, we just need to be able to keep this ship afloat for a little bit longer until we can put this virus behind us and then we can sort of uh, tackle the secondary issues, which is the debt. I don't think the debt right now is a primary concern. Okay, Uh, House Democrats continue to negotiate over a $1.2 trillion infrastructure deal that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had hoped to vote on today. Party leaders are also trying to bring together moderates and progressives on a separate $3.5 trillion social infrastructure bill. And last one, which is a fun one. CarMax reported second quarter earnings this morning. The company is the nation's largest used car retailer, and after a spike in used cars prices driven by pent-up demand during pandemic, investors will want to hear if there are signs that prices could be easing. So for some reason, people want used cars. I don't know what's behind that, except for maybe they're a little bit cheaper. Uh, But as demand rises, then they're able to do whatever they want with the prices. So I hope uh, hope that that changes. Not that used cars are bad. I'm I'm fine. I bought my car used in 2012, um, and I still have it. It's a Toyota Tacoma. I named her Clarissa, and she is my baby, and I'll probably have her until uh, until it breaks down on me on the highway. Uh, so very loyal to the to the car that I have, and I think that you know people who are buying used cars tend to be more. Uh, LTR about it, <laughs> long-term relationship to get to uh, to give you guys a, a millennial abbreviation there. And the reason the reason I like CarMax is it's just so efficient. Now them as a company, I don't know enough about their financials. Like I, I don't know their earnings per share. I don't know how many outstanding shares they have. I don't even know what they trade at. But the way they go about doing business, I'm a really big fan of. And I would definitely consider uh, looking into them as far as investing goes. I just 
there's never really been a need for me personally. Um, also, just to, I guess, to touch on that, I personally invest for my own money, not my client's money. I invest in companies that I use. So that's an insider tip for you guys. If you guys like going to Target, invest in Target. If you guys like Tesla because you own a Tesla, invest in Tesla. Like these are these are like no-brainers for me. If you guys use a service or a product, why not invest in it? Be an owner in the company. It, that, that's just like a no-brainer to me in my in my head. Okay, so here's the big story of the day. We have a China power crisis. Uh, China's manufacturing sector contracted for the first time in almost two years as power cuts are causing nationwide disruptions. The country's PMI manufacturing index fell to 49.6 in September, making the first drop in 18 months below 50 that indicates the economy is shrinking. China's pandemic recovery has been hit by regional virus outbreaks, the global computer chip shortage, port shutdowns, and supply chain disruptions. A widening regulatory campaign against many sectors of the economy, including fast-growing technology companies, has also had an impact on the world's second-largest economy. Power cuts are kind of a big deal, guys. Let's read about those real quick. So, uh, However, among the biggest concerns is a growing power crisis. Chinese authorities have abruptly ordered power cuts at many factories across the country in order to meet government emissions targets. Coal prices in China have soared, and the government has ramped up efforts to curb energy consumption and cut carbon emissions. The government also cut imports of coal from Australia, a big supplier to China, as political tensions rise. The power outages are expected to continue through the end of the year as local governments struggle to meet those emission targets. In the past week, economists have begun to cut their growth forecasts for the Chinese economy because of the power outages and a property market downturn fueled by debt concerns around the nation's second largest property firm, Evergrande Group. Okay, first off, that's all depressing. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I When I put this all together, I didn't think it was going to be this negative with, with China because I still have positive outlooks for China. You guys, if you guys have been listening to this podcast, you know I am. I am a big fan of Chinese car company NIO, NIO, and I, I'm riding with them. It's ride or die for me with NIO. Uh, but the way China does business, I have a really, really hard time with it. Uh, especially looking now, like they're cutting. Listen, I'm trying to be very politically correct how I say this stuff. China is a government system that controls the means of production now they're trying to be more free market in the way they run their companies but the government's hand is very much involved and so whenever i see things like uh where where is it um chinese authorities have abruptly ordered power cuts at many factories across the country in order to meet government emission targets I need to know why. Why is that the case? I, I, I don't I don't get it. A lot of this Go Green initiative should be considered a 10, 20, 30 year sort of journey. When you cut things abruptly, you ruin lives. You ruin investors' lives. You ruin employer lives. You ruin employee lives. And a lot of China is dependent upon factory uh, production. They just are. And, excuse me. As they, as they grow, they're going to grow green. So what I don't get about China with their Go Green initiative is why not just say, hey, every new company, every new service or product that we have, there's going to be different standards. And I know that that's not necessarily quote-unquote fair, but I think you bring on the already established companies that contribute to your GDP, you bring them on slowly, and you make the new companies start with the initiative with this, you know, go green. And what you're going to do there is you're going to allow for a slow transition, which means there's going to be less lives interrupted. 
less companies have to change their production immediately. Like a lot of these companies, they don't have the uh, the assets or the cash flow to just be able to stop factory production. A lot of company success, especially earlier on, like again, China is still a second world country, guys. It's a developing, you know, it's developing into a first world, but it's still a second. And so as they're making these advancements in each company, they rev- they rely on cash flow. They don't have just money pent up. That, that's, that's a myth that people think about, that companies just have all this cash sitting around. Most of that gets reinvested in production, uh, into production and, um, and growth. So I don't know what China's doing with these, with these regulations. It's, it's pretty upsetting to me. Uh, but what's new with China? They constantly have a hand in, in almost every single free market situation. The government's trying to control it. Um, but hey, what can I say? I put money in the neo. I put money in the Chinese companies. So I still, I'm still a big fan. I'm still a big fan, and I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be extreme growth oriented over the next 20, 30 years. And I'm excited about it. I just wish that they did uh, their practice management differently. I guess is uh, I don't know. I, I I get depressed when I talk about it because China could be, China could grow faster than the U.S. grew. It's 100% true. It's 100% possible that China just refuses to let the market dictate their growth. Yeah, okay. All right, what is else? What else is? What else do we have here before I get sad here? Um, okay, let's talk about the big number really quickly. So 150,000. Uh, U.S. retailers are expecting a busy holiday season and are ramping up hiring plans amid a challenging labor market. Walmart is the latest to announce plans to hire 150,000 new store workers in preparation for the holiday season. Most will be permanent and full-time positions. The retailer also said it would offer extra hours to many of its store workers over the holidays. The announcement comes just days after rival Target said it would provide more work hours for its retail employers and a nationwide labor shortage. Okay, so we just talked about that, right? If you like Walmart, invest in Walmart. If you like Target, invest in Target. I mean, those are companies that have been around. Those aren't penny stock companies. Those are well-established uh, retailers. And they will, like Walmart's not going anywhere. Like Even with Amazon growing, right, for, I don't know, good uh, goods delivery, groceries, et cetera, like Target and Walmart are still around. They aren't Kmart, right? <laughs> if you guys remember Kmart with the little Caesars on the side, um, Man, I miss that. I miss Kmart. That was a that was a good time. But they're not Kmart. They're not going away. So um, I'm excited for that. I think this next couple of months is actually going to be good for the stock market. I think October is going to be better than September was. And I think there's going to be some growth. I'm excited to see what happens. Now, typically, um, October is kind of not the best month. But November and December are typically pretty good. So we'll see. But September was just so... Uh, uneventful as far as good news that I think October is going to have to rebound in a positive way. Uh, But that's it for today, guys. I am over my time limit. As always, invest early, invest often. I will see you later.